Blog Talk Radio. Saturday morning to you on Over the Top Sports Radio. Thank you for tuning in for the next hour and a half. Big Mike, Robbie D with you guys talking sports, baseball, NFL, uh, NBA guest on, former uh, New Jersey Net. Kenny Anderson will be joining us on the show in just a couple of minutes. Um, the guys did an interview with him, so we're going to be talking to him in just a couple of minutes. We'll replay that for you as well. Uh, going to preview the AFC North division today. Um, Vinny the Shark has sent in uh, some of his picks, so we'll get to his as well. And then later in the show, we're going to get to some WWE SummerSlam weekend here in New York at Brooklyn at Barclays Center the next four nights, selling out NXT, SummerSlam, Raw, and SmackDown. Four straight nights at Brooklyn. Um, it's going to be fun if you're a wrestling fan, the second biggest weekend of the year. So we're going to get to that a little bit later, Mike. But um, we got to start in the major leagues. And last night, late at night, not everybody stayed awake for it, but we have this crazy series out. Um, in Oakland, and nobody saw it coming as a big series. Nobody saw it coming as a series that you'd want to pay attention to. We talked all off season about late night games in Anaheim that we're going to want to watch. Yeah. Well, the Otani thing has kind of lost its luster. Mm-hmm. Now you got the Oakland A's, you got the Houston Astros, and the Astros blowing the lead last night to Oakland. It's just a one game uh, spread now in the um, Western uh, Division out there, uh, with two more to play this weekend. Yeah, and I mean, what a game. Uh, we just uh, we rewatched the replay, uh, the slide into home in the ninth inning to tie the game. Uh, call them out, Rob. Uh, after watching the replay, I don't know how you overturn it. So I think the Astros have a little bit of a gripe there. But at the same time, you can't rely on the umpires to win a game. And, and that's what Houston tried to do last night. And you have the lead. you got to win those games. And Rondon ended up blowing the game last night, which – if you want to you know, take the step-by-step, step, I don't understand what Hector Rondon is doing still closing games. Uh, he has, he's had a good season, a very good season. But if you go out there and you bring in somebody like Roberto Azuna, who uh, has the baggage coming with him, I don't understand then why you don't put him into the closer's role almost immediately. And it's not immediately now, Rob. There's been, what, two weeks have passed since he's been there. He's pitched good. He looks good. I don't understand why he's not in the closer's role. Yeah, he pitched the eighth inning last night, got his first hold of the season for the Astros. Rondon, of course, um, in the ninth inning, blowing it. And then Sip, uh, one batter, one home run. It was a moonshot. We just saw that, too, as well. Um, The Athletics have something going. The fans that go to the game are crazy. They're not going to sell out, really. Um, But they do have a little feel-good vibe. It's good for Oakland, who's losing their NFL team. Um, So it's kind of starting to catch on there. Um, but neither pitching, neither starting pitcher went too far. Jackson and Morton went five innings each. Um, you had a good game. Edwin but, Jackson. I mean, he's Edwin great Jack, though. I know he's but... on my fantasy team for like three weeks, and I'm just waiting to drop him. And honestly, when it comes time to do it, I can't drop the guy because every Edwin time Jackson. he he pitches, he has a good game. I know. Look at his last few games. He's what? He hasn't lost a game in a month. They played San Francisco. He had actually had a quality start. He lost the game to the Giants. Ever since then, he's 3-0 with two no decisions. Um, he's given up two runs last night, seven and a third shutout ball the game before, six and a third no run runs the game before, 
five and two thirds no earned runs. So in his last one, two, three, four starts, he's given up two earned runs. And they were not expecting that. Nobody was expecting that. Obviously, you get a guy off the street like that, you know, for a spot start here or there, maybe eat some innings. But you're right, he's been he's been fantastic. But Mike, back to your point about the closer, did Houston do enough then to get um, better in the bullpen at the deadline? Because we knew that they needed help, and we thought Ozuna was going to be the answer. But if they're not going to use him as the answer, did they do enough? They did, though. They brought in Presley, too, from Minnesota. He pitched last night. He gave a scoreless inning. I think it was a scoreless inning. So, I, yeah, I don't get it either, what they're doing. Uh, listen, and I get it. If you want to be loyal to your guys, Rondon's been the guy all season. You don't want to disrupt it. We saw that a few years ago when the uh, Nationals brought in Papelbon and Drew Storen was having that great season, Rob. So I get that. But to bring a guy in with all that baggage, to take that kind of criticism, you almost have to then put him into the closest role to show everybody why you did it, why it's worth it. And the bats haven't been there that you know either. Springer came back yesterday, sure. Correa is two for twenty-one. Altuve's getting close, not there yet though. So um, if you ask me, again, this is you know maybe a tad overreaction. Houston's in a little bit of a trouble here. Um, I mean, they are because this juggernaut that is the Athletics is making a run. And earlier in the season, it was the Seattle Mariners. They got close, and you were like, wow, you know the Mariners. They had such a great run. If you remember, it was a two-week run where I think they yeah. only lost one game. And uh, they got within a couple of games, and then they faded. And then you said, okay, well, they're going to get Cano back. But they've already faded out of it pretty much in that division. Uh, the Oakland Athletics, my money's on that they'll fade away, but they're going to be there for the wild card. It's yeah. pretty much a lock that they're going to get a playoff spot along with the Astros, along with the Yankees, three teams for two spots. If you're a Yankee fan, though, the one thing you don't want is the ace to win that division and have to face Justin Verlander because that equals season over. I agree. Or Cole, it could be even, you know, you don't know who you're going to get. I completely agree with you, Rob. You'd rather face Oakland if you're the Yankees. Um, listen, I agree also that I think Houston will eventually win this division. I think it's just a little bit of a phase right now, banged up some injuries. And I don't know if the athletics, and again, uh, you know, I don't know if they have the firepower to stay. Uh, you know, we have a month left, uh, you know, two months left almost. So yeah, you have plenty of baseball left that you really can't overreact to it. Uh, I don't know if they'll be able to sustain uh, the type of wins they're putting up right now. No, this run that they're on is pretty crazy, though. I mean, they're almost at 600 baseball, which is, I mean, it's great. And it's, you're talking about the Houston Astros coming off of winning a championship, and they're playing 607 baseball right. as a team that you worry about. I mean, it's hard to worry about a team that's winning 60% of their games. Mm-hmm. No, you worry about teams, you know, based on how they're playing lately. That's right. why everybody's in such a panic about the Yankees. But over 162 games, you win 60% of your games, you're, you're a playoff team. Yankees got a gift last night, if you ask me. The 7-5 win after seven innings, they called it because of rain or whatever. But Lance Lynn was not good. Uh, you know, again, you want to look at somebody as a stopper. He had done it twice so far, Rob, since he's come over here after, you know, picking up wins after a loss. So uh, I don't think he actually got the win last night. But, no, you know, the team did with him out there. He gave up five runs. So you take it for what it is. You got to win a much-needed win. But as far as the division goes, the Red Sox won again, and now I think they're ten and a half up for the division. And if you're the Yankees, you're playing for that wild card game. Now the division has been over basically because ever since that sweep in Boston a couple weeks ago, you can kiss the division goodbye, and that's fine if you're the Yankees because it's not about trying to make a run and get in the division. Right. They're almost better off not so that they can get themselves ready for their one game wild card game. But you have to be playing well, right. and it's not even how much they win; it's how that they're playing. And Lance Lynn last night, four runs in the first inning. Yeah. Look, you know, the, the way that he looked at, uh, to start the year in Minnesota, and that's fine. It's just a little blip on the radar for him. I still trust that he's going to be a good addition for them. But 
if Marcus Stroman doesn't come out there and continue to just this very, very, very disappointing season Stroman's had, and he's a Long Island kid, so we always pay attention to this guy, right. and he's got a ton of talent, but he's had a disappointing season, and he basically gave it right back. They got the first two batters out in the bottom of the first inning. Aaron Hicks walked. Didi DeGroyas extra base hit, which was misplayed by Pilar. Right. I don't know if you saw it, but a terrible play in the yeah. outfield by a guy that I, I expect much more out of. Uh, they turned it into two runs, and then all of a sudden – the Yankees are right back in the game, and they just felt good about them. So, so you're right. They were given a gift by Toronto last night. And now Stroman looks like he's going to hit the DL with a blister. So this is somebody that can't avoid injuries, Rob. Like you said, it is somebody that you look at because he's from Long Island. But uh, it, it could be somebody that you look at, too, as he needs a change of location, and they have to move on from there because they're not going to be good uh, during his time frame, and uh, maybe a change of scenery will help him out as well. And he showed some frustrations with the media a couple weeks ago also just with the team. So – who knows what happens? Maybe you have to move on from him from there. Yeah, and that's a shame because he was a high draft pick for them. He was a guy that, you know, they groomed, that he had some big moments in their playoff runs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I saw some games in the playoff stretch in the playoffs where he, like, lit up that crowd back in the Jose Batista days. So um, you hope that he turns around just as a local guy. I remember, um, I might have told you the story before, but I was with Matt Brousseau, Patchogue Medford basketball game, mm-hmm. and I didn't know about Marcus Stroman. I really didn't. Um, and I went to the game. He was the point guard. I came. I said, this freaking kid is good, man. And I came back to News 12, and I was telling uh, Andrew, our other producer, and Andrew's our high school, you know, this guy knows everything. He's the guru. Right. I'm like, wow, this kid, Marcus Stroman, man, their point guard, he's one of the best high school players I've seen all year. He goes, yeah, he's going to Duke. And I'm like, I didn't think he's that good. And he goes, no, he's going there to be a pitcher. He's an awesome baseball player. And, and now look what he's come out to be. So he's a great athlete. So you hope good things for him. But, Absolutely. Um, but yeah, the Yankees, uh, they got the gift and they got the gift from the gods and uh, whatever. But the real intrigue now in the American League is going to be, you know, between the Astros and the A's and uh, maybe the Yankees if uh, somehow they become like the road team in it. And, uh, you know, they have to go to Houston. That would just be uh, a nightmare. But anyway, um, late night viewing tonight, A's and uh, I, I guess they're on it late tonight, right? In, out in Oakland? Uh, that game, I have it right here. Oh, no, it's not late because it's not at the top. They're a 405 star at Astros and Athletics. Wow. So, I mean, the A's win, and they got Trevor Cahill against Dallas Keuchel on the mound, both having uh, decent seasons as far as their ERA goes. And uh, Keuchel's 9-9 despite a good ERA in the American League, so. Uh, good matchup at 4 o'clock. I would find it if I was you. I guess tomorrow night will be 4 o'clock as well. Um, yeah, there you go. So 4 or 5 on ESPN Plus if anybody has it. I don't know if anybody does. And just while we talk to the Yankees, they are honoring, I think, the 98 team today. Yeah. Right? The 98 uh, World Series champions will be there. Jeter won't be there. Brocious won't be there. But uh, I think that that's it. I think everybody else should I know be there. going to be there. Yep. So they, they're talking about all those guys. So And we've said it before, Rob. I'm not a Yankee fan. I'm a Yankee hater. You're certainly not a Yankee fan as well. But they do everything right. They do. They do everything, um, you know, front row, first class. They do everything right. And today, I'm sure, will be another example. And they make non-Yankee fans watch. Yes. Like, I'll be like, I'm not a Yankee fan, but this is so interesting. This yes. is so well done, whether it's a retirement ceremony or the old-timers day uh, or something like this where they're going to honor the 98 team. And this one I could watch because it's one of the teams that didn't beat the Braves in the World Series. <laughs> that was 96 and 99. So I guess next year when they do the 20th anniversary, which is basically the same guys. Right. So it's going to be a reunion of this year's team next year as well. But, hey, when you win that many World Series, you really can't even shit on them for it. And there was two. There was an article in the paper, I think it was the New York Post, that was actually pretty good about the 1998 team. They had two brawls that year, two pretty good ones, with the Orioles and, uh, you know, spilling out into the dugout when Benitez hit Tino. And then they had the other one against the Blue Jays at Yankee Stadium, which uh, I didn't remember, but – 
you know, again, Hideki Arabu thrown at somebody, uh, you know, as retaliation. And uh, yeah, that turned out to be a, a brawl also. So two brawls that season and things like that sometimes just bring the team together. Well, it didn't bring the Braves together because they had a little brawl this week and we're going to get into it or we can get into it now if you sure. want, but uh, they've lost the last two games against the Rockies. And it's where I'm starting to get frustrated with the Braves because they seem to have trouble with good teams. And I get it. They're not supposed to be where they are now, but you know, they had a two game lead in the division and nine over Washington, which nobody saw coming in right. the middle of August. Uh, and then they blow a save in the ninth inning, terrible managing by the way, before we get to this Acuna thing, Brian Snicker, the other day, the Braves won 10 to six. Now it wasn't one of those games where in the bottom of the eighth inning, the Braves tacked on run, so it was not a safe situation. A.J. Minter was already warming up. No, they had it in hand. They pitch A.J. Minter instead on Tuesday night. Fast forward to Wednesday, they have a safe situation against the Marlins. You pitch him. Mm. Now he's pitched back-to-back days, three and four. Safe situation two nights ago, Thursday night. They don't go to Minter. They blow the save. If they didn't pitch him in a non-safe situation, which I can't, they're playing 20 games in 19 days. And you're wasting appearances by your closer. Terrible job by Snicker. Cost him the game Thursday night. I hate that with managers. I hate it. I will say, though, the first person out of the dugout, Rob, the other night when Acuna got hit was Brian Snicker. He was. 100%. And I, and and I don't understand why he was the first one out. And you I love that about him. Sure. It's the stri- strategical errors that he's made that I have against him. I love it. He was leading the entire yes, team's charge. He was. He was in their face, the and when it started were like, to break up, go, he was like, we no, not we're go? not done. Right. I, yeah. He did a good job with that. Um, not a good job by Jose Arana. Um, I'm assuming it's Major League Baseball. Well, six games for a pitcher is nothing, and it's really not fair. It's not fair in any way because uh, that's one start, and everybody knows it, and they try to mask behind it because they say, oh, six games out of his paycheck is the same as six games out of going to push him back. Yeah, so he miss, he doesn't even miss the start. Right. They just push it back, and they, they turn into bitches, too, because the Braves play them four games next week, and uh, he's not one of the four scheduled starters that week after his suspension. doesn't matter. They're going to hit somebody. They have well, to. they have to now. Right. But, you know, Freddie Freeman said after the game, uh, this is not a Marlins thing. This is an Arrhenia thing, and we know that. And that's right. why we didn't retaliate on, the Mar- retaliate on the Marlins. They also knew they had four coming up with them. But, no, now if Arrhenia doesn't pitch that series, you have to throw it real muto. And Unfortunately, because Real Muto was the one saying, too, you know, he shook his head like, what are you doing? He didn't like the move either. Uh, hey, listen, you have guys out there, too. Keith Hernandez, uh, you know, who called the Mets game, said that's old school baseball. I have no problem with that. Mike Francesa agreed with Keith Hernandez. Listen, if you want to throw inside, that's one thing, Rob. You want to go high and tight. You want to brush him off the plate. You want to make him feel uncomfortable. Fine. I'm all for that. I really am, especially with the way Acuna was swinging the bat and hurting them. But to go out there, first pitch, the hardest pitch you threw that season is to hit that kid on the elbow, not the back, not the butt, you know, not a fatty part of uh, the body. Um, you know, to hit him on the elbow is the Bush League. It is. And the first pitch of the game, like you said, uh, and it's, it's crap. And, and I'm not one of the guys that's sitting there saying, oh, throw a breaking ball, you know, and try to get him out. No, that's no, the no, best no, no. revenge. Hey. You want to brush him back or whatever. There's a difference between brush back and hitting a guy on purpose. Right. And you want to hit on a guy on purpose. There are times that is baseball. Yes. How about if Acuna did a bat flip and stared down the pitcher the night before? Agreed. Hit him. As a Braves fan, I'd be like, yo, good. The 20-year-old learned something. Right. If he did a slow trot around the bases, if he showed up his teammates, anything like that. But this is a last-place team, a pitcher, what's his record, 3-12, and 3-13? and He's 0-3 with a 13 ERA against the Braves this year. So the Braves have absolutely ruined his season single-handedly. Ruined it. And the Marlins have nothing to lose. And they're doing it in the pennant race for the Braves, throwing at a guy 
Hardest pitch, like you said, of the season. Ridiculous. And it's BS. And, and one start, it's nothing to Urania. And that's why MLB should have, you know, listen, you want to crack down on injuries and, and the hit-by-pitch that are intentional in, in a situation like that. That's why you have to crack down on that. The hardest pitch he thrown all season is that pitch where he hits Acuna, and MLB gave him a slap on the wrist. And then you have Don Mattingly out there after the game saying, oh, every single game, um, he actually starts the game by throwing inside. This one might have gotten away from him. I don't know. Oh, Mattingly. Well, so, well, you know what? We're in the era where you can fact check. So somebody went back and watched the first pitch of every one of his starts this season, and less than half of them were inside. So stop with that, Don Mattingly. I know you have to stick up for your player, but you need to stop. Because the guy did it, you could say, hey, he didn't do it under my watch. I didn't tell him to go do it. And uh, he's going to have to eat it. You know, who, was it uh, Gardenhire said yeah. that if it was his team, Arania would have been the leadoff hitter the next game against the Braves. Yeah. But so, at, at the same time, we brought it up that Snicker was the first guy out. Rob, listen, that's more concerning to me than anything, that none of the players were out there, I mean, showing any sort of fight, any sort of hustle. And I don't mean physical fight. I mean hustle out there to the mound. When it's your, when it's your coach, that's a problem to me. You know, I'm and I get that they're a young team. I get it. That. I'm conflicted on it because there are so many people. I, I didn't really think about it much. So I was more angry. Right. So I'm not really thinking about who came out and who didn't while it's happening. I'm watching the game and I'm like pissed off. And now I'm worried about Acuna. Um, there are so many people that are saying the way that the Braves came out at all is a good thing. And then you, on the other hand, well, they didn't come out right away. So right. I see your point. I see their point. Um, it was very awkward. It, it was, was like they didn't go, know what they were going. supposed to do. Yes. Um, maybe it's because it wasn't understood. Probably because it came out of nowhere. You didn't expect that. Um, I don't know if I take your side on it. I don't know if I take the side on it that's going to bring – certainly hasn't brought them together. They lost the last two games. Right. But, um, yeah, I just think it was it was a weird spot. Um, they all defended the hell out of them the rest of the night. I mean, Dansby Swanson did his – did um. His home run thing, right. he does the whole point to God <clears throat> thing that he does when he homers. And then uh, in post game, they were all pretty fired up about it. So I think they had his back. I think that Mike, I don't know, if, I just don't know if they knew what to do there. Mm-hmm. Starting off a game, no, this isn't a big rivalry. This is Braves Mons with 40 games behind the Braves in the standings. Right. This isn't Yankee Red Sox where you're leading off throwing at David Ortiz. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because people brought up to me, well, Yankee fans were wanted to throw at David Ortiz forever. So that this is okay. Right. Well, A, the Yankees didn't do it. And B, just because you wanted to, just because something happened before doesn't make it right. Right. Two wrongs doesn't make it right. I agree. So it's just, it, it was crazy. It was Bush League. Um, and if you want to have some respect, you know, game back Don Mattingly, make Arena have to face the Braves next week. It's a four-game oh, set. Oh, he won't do that. No. He's, it's a bitch move. And it's a bitch move on them. Move over, Rob, to the NL Central, which uh, is quietly turning into, uh, listen, uh, we have said it on the show, I have said it on the show, that the AL West, uh, I'm sorry, the NL West, probably one of the best divisions in baseball to watch coming down the stretch, but the NL Central is really giving it a run for the money. Uh, you have the Brewers now 3-7 and seven in their last 10, and the Cardinals all of a sudden you fire Mike Matheny 9-1 and one in their last 10, and 20-9 since the firing of Mike Matheny. So, Rob, are the Cardinals now catching fire a little too late, or do you think they can make a run at this point? No, they're a veteran team, and they're only four or five games out. What is it? Uh, five five games the division, out. Yep. Uh, maybe even less than the wild card. I would assume so, because I think Chicago has the best record in the National League. So, in the wild card, if I can pull it up here, they might even be closer. But if you want to talk about the division itself, yeah, yeah, they have to game out of the wild card. Right. So, yeah, of course they do. They're a veteran team. They've done it before. They seem to have a little bit of their mojo back. And I don't think Matheny was really the problem. But 
when you start to see some of the stories that were coming out this yeah. season out of there, you kind of had to do it. The Hicks Norris hazing uh, out in the bullpen, you saw. Right, and I think that maybe that's something that brought them together a little bit. They caught fire. Yadier Molina's back yep. healthy. Um, you know, you've seen the – we talk about who's going to win the MVP in the American League. Um, Matt Carpenter, right now, because they're winning, he's got to be the leader in the NL. So they got the hottest player in the National League, maybe the major leagues, and Matt mm-hmm. Carpenter. And that's from a Braves fan that wants to throw out Freeman or Marquecas. Right. So – yeah, they absolutely could do it. Um, I've been scared of them all year. They hung around. You know, they didn't let it get to eight, nine, ten. Like, that's the Nationals thing is they let it get to nine games. Right. Now they're going to beat up on the Marlins this weekend. They won the first two. They'll probably win the next two. Maybe they'll get within five or six. But when you let it get to nine or ten games, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to make up that ground because you have to count on other teams losing. Uh, that's the one thing St. Louis didn't do. Now they're right in it. Yeah, I just don't know. Carlos Martinez is going to come back. He's going to pitch out of the bullpen most likely the rest of the year. Uh, this, again, is another team, Rob. I don't know if they have the firepower to, you know, to finish the job, to get in. And even if they got into, you know, where they would go from there. So uh, I, I like what they're doing, obviously. I like Flaherty pitched awesome last night. I just think this is going to be one of those teams that falls a tad short. I mean, I hope so, because as a Braves fan, they're a team that's given us fits, uh, the, the infield fly game, yeah. uh, the year that the Braves collapsed when they had such a big lead. Um, it was a big part was because um, St. Louis beat them four straight in the, in September series, and the Braves had that big lead on the Phillies, and the Phillies came back. So um, that is a team that I'm scared of, and I, I don't want them there. I, I like teams at this time of year. Youth has taken over in so many ways, yeah. but when you have the right veterans on your team, those are the teams that scare me that are trying to come back. I don't know if the Nationals have the right veterans. They have the veterans. I agree. I don't know if they're the right ones. And I'm on the Nationals. I've been on them all year. I yeah. said they're going to win the at least. And a lot of that was because of that. But right now, they're not showing to be the case. St. Louis might be the different type of team. I agree with you. The Dodgers, you want to, you know, talk veterans, veteran closer, Kenley Jansen, uh, you know, arguably top two closer in baseball, uh, you know, dealing with this heart condition. Should be back next week. He's going to need offseason surgery on it. Uh, to fix it, it's a, a regular heartbeat. But you've seen now blown saves without Kenley Jansen in the back of that bullpen. Alexander blew one, Ferguson blew one. So uh, you desperately need this guy in the back of that bullpen, and hopefully he'll be back next week because you never want to see a team uh, fail because of injury, Rob. But at the same time, these are games the Dodgers now one and a half out of the wild card. These are games they need to win. Well, that's the problem when you start April and May so poorly. You uh, can't afford to have a bad injury when you're making your push to come back. And you know, I've loved the Dodgers all year. I've said that they're going to do it. Um, their bats are incredible. They hit home runs better than anybody, even the Yankees and the Red Sox last night. I think they had five home runs last night again, and they lead the league in five home run games, which is nuts. But in the close games, you can't afford to blow games right now. I agree. Because you had such a bad start to the season. And because you're in a division that is playing so well, the Dodgers, the Rockies, they took and taken two straight from the Braves on yeah. the road in Atlanta. And I wrote them off. And uh, uh, Yeah, well – they're the team that's coming back right now with five and a half. I guess it's five weeks from tomorrow. The season ends. Yeah. So the Dodgers need to kind of pick their shit up as people have said, um, there's still is time. If they feel like this Jansen thing is going to bother him and be an issue, there's still time before the waiver trade deadline at the end of August. And maybe they're a team that needs to go out and make a move because teams are going to make moves and people right. forget because, and I don't know why, but people seem to forget that Verlander was the biggest off se- uh, mid season acquisition last year. It happened an hour before September 1st, mm-hmm. and that changed who won the World Series. I just don't know what closer you could find out there. And Addison Reed isn't a difference maker to me. Uh, the Cardinals now aren't going to try Bud Norris after the run that they've gone on. So 
I see you, your point to that, but I just don't think uh, – there's not a Verlander out there bullpen-wise. So, you know, the Dodgers desperately need Jansen back in the worst way. No, they do. I understand it. Um, I mean, you saw the guys like Brad Hand and everybody go already. Right. So, um, Givens is there. I don't think they'd move Givens. They've cleared house Even if there. it's not a closer, somebody else to help in that bullpen to take the – it doesn't have to be a great closer. I mean, Jansen is going to be healthy enough to pitch. I don't know if he's going to struggle or not. This right. could be in his head now. The, the few weeks off could screw him over, but uh, now it's screwed up the confidence of these two other guys that are already blowing saves right. for them. Uh, so they're going to just have to outscore an out-homer team. Very interesting. It's going to be an awesome month, and that's the thing I like about the MLB in September is there's so much divisional play. So you're going to have Dodgers, uh, Rockies. You're going to have Dodgers, Diamondbacks. You're going to have A's, um, A's and Astros. You're going to have Yankee, Red Sox. doesn't matter right now. You thought it would. You're going to have Braves, Philly seven more times. Yeah. So, and you're going to have between the, the Central, like you said, the Cubs, the uh, Brewers, and, of course, the, the Cardinals playing each other. So, it's hard to make up games, you know, when there's three teams in a race and two are playing each other and you know one's going to win. Right. So, it makes it hard for those 13. And you mentioned how much time is left, Rob. Fantasy baseball-wise, we have three weeks or two weeks left until playoffs, depending on your league, how many teams make it, and if it's a one-week or two-week matchup. So, either three weeks or two weeks left. Until playoffs, there's two names out there that you should be stashing, and they're both Chicago White Sox, believe it or not. Aloy Jimenez has 21 home runs in 88 games this season throughout the minors, 351 batting in AAA. There's no reason he should be in AAA. He should be up at any point. It could be, uh, you know, today, tomorrow, or it could be September. But this kid uh, will impact in fantasy when he is called up. And the other one, Michael Kopich, pitched a, a gem last night for the White Sox AAA team. He's got 170 strikeouts in 126 innings, a 1.35 ERA in August. Again, there is no reason for either of these kids to be in the minors. They should be up at some point, and they're two guys that can help you in fantasy. And we're getting to the fun point of fantasy sports in general because if you're in a season-long baseball league, you play 21, 22 weeks to get to the playoffs. And if you make it, if you listen to Mike's call-ups, you got a chance. Um, so you have that to look forward to. You have fantasy football drafts coming up. And to me, the fantasy football draft is the best time of year. It's also good because I like the fantasy hockey drafts. I know that's a month after. So you have baseball fantasy playoffs, fantasy football drafts in the beginning of fantasy football season. You have fantasy hockey and basketball all in October. So it's a lot of fun. In just two days, we're going to get you primed up for your fantasy draft. So Monday night, a fantasy football draft special. All fantasy sports for an hour long. The Shark will be back for it. Goon will be in the house for it. Uh, so that's Monday night. That's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you guys tune into that as well. We're going to have sleepers, busts, um, some rankings, but I think everybody, you know, has yeah. similar rankings. I'm sure you guys do too. You, you kind of, you know, delve deep into those. We're in different league settings too. So we talk about different types of leagues and maybe how to approach drafts in a different yep. way. Uh, Mike had a draft last night. We had an auction draft. You're going to look at that differently than if you have the second pick in the snake draft. So right. we're going to get into all that kind of stuff on Monday night. We want to hear from you guys and as well, Hey, you guys do a fantasy draft, show us your team. We'll rate your team. Everybody loves to hear how great their team is after the draft or how bad it is or what they screwed up. Send us your picture or screenshot of your draft at Over the Top Sport on Twitter. Uh, we'll rank it for you. We'll tell you if it sucks. We're over the, We're not going to sit here and tell you your team's great if it's not. I'll and we'll tell you it's great if it is. And we'll tell you how to improve it if you want. Uh, Mike gives out the fantasy advice. Over the Top Mike, he's got uh, his own page, too, on Twitter. Hit him up with the advice. He's going to get back to you any minute. So, Make sure over the top sports on uh, Instagram, on uh, Twitter and Instagram, actually, but yeah. Twitter is where you're going to get your advice. So uh, hit us up on that. Of course, you can call us at any time at 646-716-5403. And then of course uh, on Facebook live, if you're watching now, any questions you have, we'll try to get to throughout the show. So later in the hour, Mike, 
more football. We're going to get into some of the preseason actions, some stuff we saw yesterday and this week. Sam Donald, second, uh, his first start, but his second appearance for the Jets. Uh, as Giants fans, we got to watch the Giants look a little bit better yesterday. We can get into that a little bit. Uh, big injury last night that's going to affect your fantasy drafts, especially in dynasty leagues. Um, it's going to affect the AFC East. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the Bills are going to be very good anyway, but we'll talk a little A.J. McCarron and what that injury means. Uh, we can get all to that. We're going to preview the AFC North in just a few minutes. But, uh, you know, we're not that far away from basketball season either. And it was this time, excuse me, this time along, you know, this is when uh, the the um, Olympics basketball are usually in July and August. So it's a dead part of the year right now, but never a bad time to talk about basketball. So the other day, Vinny the Shark, Big Mike, they sat, uh, they had a phone call conversation with Kenny Anderson, um, all-star player, um, top one of the top picks in the draft, and uh, just a very good player. And he gave us a few minutes. So here is a couple minutes with former NBA player Kenny Anderson. We're joined here on Over the Top Sports by the number two overall pick in the 1991 NBA draft, 1994 NBA All-Star, and one of the best ball handlers we've ever seen, my guy, Kenny Anderson. Kenny, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us. So let's start off with your college career. 1988, it was time for you to pick a school to play ball at. You rejected Dean Smith and the North Carolina Tar Heels. You rejected Coach K and the Duke Blue Devils. And you rejected Jim Beheim and the Syracuse Orangemen. And you chose Georgia Tech. What made you go with Georgia Tech? Well, you know, I just thought it, it, was, it would fit my style of play. You know, um, during my high school senior year, I had watched them play in the NCAA tournament, Mark Price and those guys, John Sally, Bruce Dye Ripple, they played against Georgetown. And I love how Mark Price was playing in the offense. And, um, you know, I said, I didn't even know where Georgia Tech was at at the time. And I said, oh, I told my mentor, but I said, man, where's Georgia Tech at? They in the conference. He said, they in the ACC also. I said, I love how Coach Crimmins, you know, let, Mark Price played, you know, off pick and rolls and real freelance type of offense. And I said, man, that that could, you know, that fit, fits me. And, um, you know, Coach Crimmins is from the Bronx. He recruited my mother. And my mother was, you know, she came with me on my visit. So she kind of pushed me towards going to Georgia Tech. Um, I was edging towards Syracuse, but uh, my mother wanted me to go to Georgia Tech. And, um I went there, and it was the best best decision for me. You guys definitely had success over there. 1990 NCAA tournament, you guys beat Shaquille O'Neal's LSU team. You made it to the Final Four and ended up losing to uh, the future champs, UNLV. And uh, you guys won the ACC tournament that year, and you only got the four seed. Did you feel robbed by the committee? Uh, if I remember, I think so, but we didn't care. You know, we was excited to be in the tournament. We felt we could beat anybody. So, you know, with our style of play and the – you know, myself, Brian Oliver, and Dennis Scott, we felt we could compete and beat anybody. So it really didn't matter. It lasted for about an hour or two. We was like, man, we should have got a higher seed. But, you know, we didn't. And, um, you know, it still worked in our favor. And last year, a big bomb dropped on the NCAA with the FBI investigating the schools for illegal payments and recruiting corruption. I'm not going to ask you if you benefited illegally, unless you want to share that, of course. But can you speak on any corruption, any special benefits schools were offering and providing? No, I, I, I you know, you, you can't have a blind, you know, blind eye to it. Come on, man, it's been going on for 40, 50 years. Uh, you know, especially the top programs and the top players. Everybody gets benefit. Everybody, you know, it's it helps some type of form or fashion. You know what I mean? So. 
it, that's just life. It, they they pick who they want to pick on, but um, you know, it's been happening forever, you know. Um, and I think you were know, you they, 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 they the, uh, were you surprised to hear about the sanctioning? Were you surprised to hear about no, the sanctioning? Not at know, all, right? I'm not surprised. About time, you know, it was going to happen, but um. You know, um, I think these they gotta have to find a way. I don't have the solution where they have to pay these athletes. You know, the schools because the NCAA making a lot of money. They're gonna have to, and I think all the athletes. I don't know. They should get a stipend or something. If you get a scholarship, it should be a bonus on top of the scholarship because you're you you you're that good to to get a scholarship. So they should give you a stipend or something where the kids can have a little extra money each month to do what they need to do. But I, I, I don't know the solution. I don't know. But um, if they don't change it, people are going to find a way to cheat anyway and get it done. I definitely think they need some kind of incentive. Do you think with the FBI coming down last year that it's actually going to stop schools from the the way they recruit them now going forward? Yeah, the way they recruit them. But I just think they're going to find another loophole and try to, you know, people going to cheat. I guess you, you know it's, it's a crime. You know, if you get caught, if you're cheating, if you, get, if you if you get caught. But I just think in this world, you know, people are always going to try to get over. You know, it's going they're going to find some type of way to get over. And um, you know, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Maybe with the rule, guys going back to college or now if you don't get drafted, and guys, elite players, uh, could could hide an agent. So there, in that case, the elite players is going to cut out, you know, for them, you know, needing anything because now the agent is going to be able to take care of them, you know, throughout that year or whatever, you know, and maybe recoup their money back when the when the elite player gets drafted. So maybe that rule will, will help going forward. So Kenny, I met you a couple of years ago at O'Neill at the bar in Queens. Uh, it was the St. Jude benefit. You couldn't have been uh, more nicer yeah. than you were that day. Uh, going back to 1991, second overall pick after Larry Johnson, before Dikembe Mutombo, what kind of pressure did you feel when you were selected number two overall? I, I really didn't feel no pressure at the time. I've been a child prodigy my whole life, being the number one recruit you know, throughout my high school and getting so much attention since I've been 11 years old and you know, being back in New Jersey and metropolitan area, you know, I loved it. You know, most of the people that followed me in high school was following me in the pros. So I was built for it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, um, you just, you know, you just uh, go into a situation where you're young. And when you're young, you're going to have to make adjustments. You're going to have to, you know, experiences, you know, the best teacher. And sometimes you have to grow, grow up in tough situations and learn from those mistakes you made. And, and that's what I did. And uh, wouldn't change it for the world. You know, it was, it was great playing with the New Jersey Nets, playing with Derek Coleman, driving Petrovic, daily a Hall of Famer, and being back home. And it just it was a great, uh, great experience. So it's the NBA. Players are constantly on the move. You were traded several times throughout your career. I want to ask you about the 1998 trade with the Blazers to the Raptors. The Blazers traded you, Alvin Williams, Gary Trent, and two first-round picks for Damon Stoudemire, Carlos Rogers, Walt Williams, and a second-round pick. But you refused to report to the Raptors because you didn't want to play in Canada. Uh, that resulted in Toronto trading you to Boston. Why were you so strongly against playing in Toronto, and do you have any regrets refusing to report to the team? No, I had no regrets. It was just a business decision. It was just about taxes. You know, I only had like 20 games left, so I, I just was ready to forfeit the 
the money, and it was just totally about taxes. I go, I was gonna get total. I was gonna get waxed. I was gonna have to pay double taxes, and um, I did not want to do that. And um, I refused. You know, I refused to do that. It was nothing to do. Nothing. People really. Some people know about. Some people that's close to me understood it. Some people, most people don't have a clue, you know, didn't have a clue. It was nothing to do with basketball. I didn't care, you know, where I would go play basketball at. I love Toronto. It was just a tax. It was just a business decision. It wasn't that many games left, you know, um, and, and I didn't want to play. Um, I didn't want to pay all those taxes. But um, I have no regrets. Um, I went to Boston, which was awesome for me. It was a great city, great sports town. I love Boston. So let me ask you about the documentary, uh, Mr. Chibs, the Kenny Anderson story. It's on Amazon.com right now. It's got uh, a great review, five stars. Um, first of all, where did you get the name from, Mr. Chibs? And second of all, two years of filming, uh, you don't hold anything back in this documentary. What made you want to do the documentary? And do you feel like after doing it now, you have some sort of closure? Yeah, yeah. Um, first of all, it's, it's, um, you know, Mr. Chibs. That's my nickname. People that's close to me, my family and my friends and everybody in New York and Queens and Left Rack City. Uh, my mother named me Chibs when I was five days old. And, um, you know, when, when they brought me in to see her, her mouth was full. So she said Cheeks and the Chibs. It came out Chibs. And she stuck with Chibs. And when I did anything great, like do well in school or play well, she would just say, oh, look at Mr. Chibs, look at Mr. Chibs. So it's very dear to me and my mother, that name, and, and close friends and family call me Chibs. And, um, you, know, um, I, you know, I lost my mother in 2005, so I said, you know, I'm gonna do, when I, if I do this doc, I'm going to name it Mr. Chibs. So basically, you know, around the time, four or five years ago, was the documentary period, everybody was doing documentaries, all my friends and family, Come on, you should do it, man. You got a great story to tell. I wasn't sure. So I sat back with my wife, my family, and like, I don't want to do a real vanilla documentary. I want to be raw with it and real and tell the truth and maybe help some somebody else, you know, that might be going down a path that I'm going down and, um, you know, sacrifice myself to help others. And that's all I did. I just didn't want to lie, and I wanted to be real. And, and look, this is what I've been through. This is what it's all about. I own up to everything I've done and just trying to uh, raise my family, uh, raise my kids and have a productive life and move on, man. And uh, that's what I did. It's been getting great reviews. Uh, Jill Campbell, my director, she saw the vision. You know, we didn't want to be vanilla. So we just, you know, we took it, you know, to that level. Um, Barry Greenstein um, invested, you know, his money into my story. He believed in it and um, it's doing well. So the basics of it, you know, is just I wanted to be real and raw and tell the truth and not just politically, you know, like with all these other documentaries. You know, a lot of guys are just, you know, it's just vanilla. And I said, now nah, I want to be different. And uh, being a child prodigy and going through all the obstacles that I had to overcome living in New York City, I said, man, let me, let me tell the story because it can help others. And that's all I did. Well, uh, it got great reviews. Like I mentioned, it was, uh, it's really, it's a must watch for anybody into, you know, documentaries and, and your career. Um, mm -hmm. well, I got to ask you about going to North Korea. Uh, Dennis Robin puts his team together to go to North Korea. You, uh, Doug Christie, Vin Baker, you go to North Korea. How are you treated? Uh, well, first of all, did you have any hesitation going over there? Second of all, how are you treated? And now looking back, do you regret that decision to go there? 
No, I, I didn't know. You know, I didn't do my due diligence about North Korea. I didn't even know who was the leader over there at the time. Um, if I would have done that, I might have been kind of, you know, I wouldn't have went. But after all, I went over there, you know, just after retiring, been an ambassador, you know, through basketball. We went over there. We had a clinic and camp with their national team in North Korea. They treated us very well. Uh, it, it was a very great experience. Uh, did this Rodman, you know, um, he's done some stuff for me in the past with some of the youth, some of the camps I had. He came and spoke. So he always said, hey, team together, I would like you to be a part of it. So I was going to help him, you know, regardless, you know, what the feat was. But I didn't know, you know, that we were going over to North Korea. I didn't, I didn't know. I was kind of naive about the trip. But when we got over there, um, you know, I think it turned into something, some, some political aspect of it when they got on CNN. You know, I was, you know, I kind of boycotted that interview because I wanted nothing to do with the politics of it. I just wanted to say, hey, listen, borders of basketball. This is what I, you know, this is what I've done my whole life. I played in the NBA. Try to, you know, give some of my knowledge and wisdom off to some of the North Korea players and everything like that. But um, it, it all worked out, and it's a great experience. Um, probably, you know, a few guys. The only, I don't know how many, that's ever going to say they went over to North Korea and, 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 and saw it and experienced it. So it, it's a great, it was a great experience. You know, we got back safe and um, everything worked out, thank God. So I want to hit you with a couple of uh, current NBA questions. I guess we'll start with the big debate. I don't really find it to be too much of a debate. You played against both these guys, um, Jordan or LeBron? Well, my thing is, they're both great. I just admire the greatness. They're two different players. You know, in my era, I think all the guys in my era, you know, are going to go with uh, Jordan, who's better, who's this, who's that. It really doesn't matter. You know, they're both great players, and they will go down as one of the one, two, uh, or however you put it, players. So I admire the greatness of both of those guys. But, um, you know, um, you know, if I had to, if, to, to, to just really say it real quick, I'm going to go with Jordan just because of the six champion. Every time he played in the finals, he won it. And also, I just think the error, of, and I'm, a, you know, maybe I'm a little biased. I just think our error is a little more tougher than the error now is. And that was my next question, actually. The biggest difference in today's game than when you played? It's soft. It's soft, but it's very entertaining. It's very entertaining. It's, very, it's a lot of great young athletic players. The, the stretch four, they went into some of that European-style basketball where they're shooting a lot of threes now. The big, there's no more bigs. You know, the bigs are dinosaurs now. There's a lot of small ball, a lot of six-five, six-six guys that can do it all, which is which is great, which is which, which is very talented. But um, it's it's a lot different. I think the league has made it fan-friendly. I'm a big fan of the NBA because it's exciting. But I just think, you know, back when the era where guys competed, you know, against each other a little harder. There's not as much defense nowadays in the NBA. So, but all in all, it's a great, it's a great business. Uh, the, the way the lead is, billion dollar business, and it's just a hell of a, a game, man. And I'm a fan of it now. And I know you're a big cigar guy, so tell us about MyGuyCigarClub.com. Yeah, man, go to the website, check it out. I've been smoking cigars since 1997. When I was with the Celtics, I got into it. It's something that relaxes me, man. I smoke, and I like to be in my own comfort zone. 
I'd rather be at a cigar lounge than a nightclub. So me and my guy put put uh, our club together. We got about 65, 70 members, and we travel to different cigar lounges, put on different events. We put on events for, you know, it's like a high-end mixer where different, uh, people from different walks of life come, have cigar, drink, food, and we put a, a silent auction together, and we give back to certain charities wherever that month, wherever our heart is feeling. So if we make money, we write them a check. So we wrote a check to Tampa Crisis Center um, when we did our event in Los Angeles All-Star Weekend. Um, it was great. And uh, we got merchandise, we got hats, we got T-shirts, we got polos, we got nap, um, knapsacks. So we smoke it for a cause, man. And um, that's something I really love to do in my spare time is to go to a lounge. You meet all, you meet people from all different walks of life, very interesting people. You have a nice cigar and you just have great conversation. So it's definitely a, a lifestyle. And, uh, you know, if you know me, you know, um, I call everybody my guy. So guy cigar club, you know what I mean? So, you know, that's just um, something we do, me and my guy, Bobby Parker, and it's been going well. And um, it's just uh, a passion of mine uh, to smoke cigars. So, you know, we just made something of it. Well, if you do an event on Long Island, New York, anywhere over here, we would love to, you know, to join you and absolutely take part in that. Uh, MyGuysCigarClub.com. Before I let you go, I have to ask you, we're very good friends with uh, with somebody whose uncle is Greg Tracy. We went to Dallas last year with Greg Tracy, and he said he played bowl with you back in the day. Does the name ring a bell? That's my guy, man. That's my guy. <laughs> that was my first championship at Malloy. I hope he's doing well. Love the guy. Love that team in 85, my Archbishop Malloy team. He was a senior. I was a freshman. Coach Crimmins said, you know, excuse me, Coach Curran said, you won't start. We're going to let Greg Tracy play the first quarter because he's a senior and I want to get him some looks. And um, that's just what it is. I didn't start my um, freshman year on the varsity team because of Greg Tracy. If, if no no um, hard feelings. I, I was a freshman. I just love going to Archbishop Malloy, playing on the varsity as a freshman, playing with those guys and winning all those games and having just a great four years at Malloy. And um, he will go down. That team will go down as one of those guys I will never forget in my life, that freshman, my uh, Malloy team. Never, never forget those guys. We'll pass the message along for you, Kenny. Thank you for joining us today, and uh, hopefully we can catch up uh, once the NBA season starts. Or, again, if you have an event on Long Island, we'd love to attend. That's MyGuysCigarClub.com. Kenny, thank you for joining us, man. Yo, thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you. My man. And, uh, and that was Kenny Anderson, Rob, who uh, was kind enough to give us a few minutes during the week. And, uh, you know, seems like a good guy from what we uh, talked about. I met him a few years ago, like I mentioned, the St. Jude uh, fundraiser out in a bar in Queens. And he was as nice as could be there. And it seems like, uh, you know, the North Korea thing is fascinating to me because it seemed like a lot of players that went over there, former players, really had no idea even what they were doing. They uh, you know, just maybe possibly trying to stay relevant in the game. And, uh, you know, he was friends with Dennis Rodman and said he owed Dennis Rodman a favor. So uh, HBO has a special out about the whole North Korea visit. And uh, it really is uh, its fascinating, to be quite honest with you. And anybody, you know, interested should definitely take a look at that. Yeah, I haven't seen it. <clears throat> Makes me want to see it even more. So hopefully it's on demand. Uh, you can find it there. Yep. But uh, 11-15, over the top sports. And uh, it's time we continue our uh, division breakdown, Rob. And today we have the AFC North which, uh, again, to me, is a, another runaway division. So 
Steelers, Ravens, Browns, Bengals. I'm sure we can both agree here that we have the Steelers winning this division. Yeah, and Vinny sent us in the odds, so we'll throw yep. those out there first. And the Steelers are heavy favorites. Uh, did you see the odds right now? I have not. Now, do you want? I mean, we know they're heavy favorites. You want to th- try to throw a number out that? Uh, to win the division, I would say they're minus uh, 400. Yeah, 300. So you're close. Uh, they're minus 300. The Ravens are plus 450. Uh, Bengals plus 900, and the uh, Browns. Um, we'll get into the Browns in a minute. Uh, the stars of this year's Hard Knocks are plus 1,100. Um, team win totals. Have you seen these? I have not. Let's do All it. All right. Well, I'll be cheating. So um, we're going to have you guess the Steelers first. We said they're minus 300 to win the division. What does Vegas have there over under as? Uh, I would say it is 10 games. Close. 10 and a half. 10 and a half. Uh, 10 and a half. I'll take the over. Sure. Me too. Um, first, you can tell me why you're going to take the over. Listen, it's just that this division also, Rob, I think they're going to beat up on this division. They'll win those games. And this is one of the better teams in the NFL still. They have Big Ben. You have Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. If you ask me, we'll talk about it more on the fantasy show Monday. Le'Veon Bell is going to have a career year. He told you he's going to have a career year. And he's also playing for with a chip on his shoulder and for a contract. Antonio Brown's the best receiver in the game. Big Ben still has at least another season left. Um, they added Morgan Burnett to help out at safety. John Bostick, uh, the tight, uh, I'm sorry, a linebacker they added. Uh, and listen, the biggest factor to me, Todd Haley is gone. I think you're going to see a much more explosive offense for the Steelers. I like this team. I have them 11-5. and five. And He was so much maligned last year. He was the guy that was getting it the hardest um, when they choked again. And I'm going to say it's a choke job because this team, I was on them last year. I remember we did our season preview. It was the first year we did it. I remember we got phone calls about the Steelers asking us, you know, if we thought it was going to be their year. And I said, yeah. They're going to run away with it. They have to find a way to get to the Super Bowl. If they don't win, that's fine. But this Brown and Le'Veon Bell connection hasn't done it. Roethlisberger did it with Lesser. Mm. He did it with Antonio Holmes. He did it with other teams, with Jerome Bettis. Um, This group had to make it, and they didn't do it last year. And Haley was the fall guy, and deservedly so. I agree. Um, They are going to be fine. By the way, Vinny takes the over, too. Want to throw his over out there? Sure. Um, This is also Le'Veon Bell's year to make it big because if he's ever going to get paid big it's going to be if he has a healthy year and he has another 2,000 yard season this year I love him um spoiler alert he's who I would have number one in almost every fantasy draft I like him more than Gurley still I'm sorry it does nothing against Gurley I think with the amount of catches that he makes a year he is one of the best wide uh, running backs and fantasy players I've ever played with or you know played fantasy football with so I love them their schedule, very easy if you ask me. Their division sucks. I think yep. we're going to see that as we go through the rest of this division, Mike. At least my opinion is that it sucks. Um, they get the Browns twice, who I don't think are any good. Uh, they get to play the um, they get to play the Buccaneers early on this season. And the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens always play a close game with the Steelers. Yeah, but win. it should be a win. Bengals win. Bengals, Browns, Ravens, Panthers. I mean, those, you know, you're going to win three out of those four. You get the Broncos, who weren't that good last year. I don't know if they're ready to beat them. We don't know what the Raiders are going to be. We don't know. And then you get, you know, the end of the year is a little bit tougher. We get, you know, at the Raiders, it's just a tough game. We don't know what they're going to be, but it's a tough game on the road to the Raiders. But I think they're a better team. New England, And then you get New England States are tough games, and they should crush up on the the Bengals at the end of the year when they'll probably have the division locked up anyway. So 11 wins, I have no problem saying that's an over. I feel it's safe over uh 11 and 5 for me i have 11 and 5 as well um nothing i'm really worried about here i know uh, ryan shazier obviously his injury last year maybe a bonding experience didn't really help them in the playoffs but seeing him walk a little bit inspiration this year maybe could help them in the draft they of course um 
they went safety two out of their first four picks. So uh, they're looking to already fill that void. Uh, Terrell Edmonds from Virginia Tech being their first pick. And then the weird pick, James Washington. We talked about it draft night, that they're going to go for another wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I know they let Martavis Bryant go out west. Right. Um, was he in Oakland now? Yeah, uh, yeah they, got, they traded a fourth for him. Yeah, and, uh, and but Juju is going to stick in there. And, and he's uh, a star in the making. And he's so young. He's, yep. he's fun. He's energetic. He's a, He seems like a good guy. He's funny with the little bike stuff and uh, – and, you know, he's, he's one of those funny, marketable guys that I feel like is also going to be pretty much a stud. So I love him as a number two receiver. I completely agree with you. Um, so let's continue, and we're going to go with the Ravens. What do you have them? What do you think their over-under is? Uh, I would say the over-under is probably seven and a half. Well, their over-under is very perfect for them because they are nothing more than a 500 team. They're nothing less than a 500 team. So they're exactly at eight. So you're very close. Um, this Ravens team to me is just so blah, mm-hmm. like they're just so boring. And, and I, I don't ever want to take anything away from Joe Flacco and negate what he's done in the past, but my God, are they a boring team? They are. They brought in John Brown, Crabtree. They drafted Lamar Jackson. As we know, uh, Woodhead gone, Macklin gone, Ladarius Webb gone. Um, listen, everything you've read, John Brown and, and Flacco have built a rapport in fantasy. Uh, I'm sorry, in uh, this camp. And uh, we'll talk about that more in fantasy. I like John Brown as a deep, deep sleeper uh, on Monday night. We'll talk about that. But to me, Rob, nine and seven, eight and eight. I mean, this is not going to be a team that hits 10, but it shouldn't be a team that only wins six or seven either. Yeah, I have him making the over. Um, and then he has them on the under. And the reason I have him at the over, and I, I know I'd say that they're a 500 team, and, and it's right on. The start of their schedule to me is very easy. They get the Bills, Bengals, Broncos, Steelers, Browns. Uh, those they should be four and one after those games. I'm sorry, they should be able to beat um, the Broncos at home. Is the only tough game that I have them, you know, winning that you might want to make a, a case against Case Keenum. Mm. Um, and I think they will lose the game at the Steelers. So if they start the season four and one, I find it impossible for them to at that point, you know, go three and uh, seven the rest of the year, or right. three and uh, I guess it would be three and eight the rest of the years to be under 500. So I like that. Um, they did have a couple of first-round picks, like you said. Uh, they went tight end quarterback, a yep. little bit weird. Um, that's not for this year, though. And I don't know. Jackson's not going to be anything for them this year. So that's more of a future move. And I don't really know what Crabtree has left or, you know, how he fits in here as more of a possession guy. But John Brown is, is really Mike Wallace. He's a he's a deep threat. So you, you take that for what it is. That, I, I don't know, Rob. Like you said, they're just it's a plain team. It is. It's a plain team. Eight and eight for me. Nine seven fine. Seven and nine fine even as yeah. well. Uh, and then at the end of the year, they have uh, the Bucks and Browns. Two of their last three games. So Could they start win. easy. They they end easy, and then the middle gets tough with teams like the Chiefs, the Falcons, the Steelers, the Panthers, the Saints. Um, you know, those are going to be tough games. They're going to have probably a good start to the season. People are going to buy in and say they're good, but it's going to be fool's gold because they're good against bad teams. Right. I would only wish the Giants could have the starts of the season schedule-wise that the Ravens do. Yeah. That's at least what I could say because, you know, you and I are on opposite ends of what the Giants might be, but your best argument is the schedule. Right. I can't fight the schedule. Right. It's a tough schedule. Um, the Bengals, they have coming in third as far as the Vegas odds. No shock there. What do you think their over-under is? I have the Browns in third, Rob. All the right. Browns will finish in I third. I cannot wait. Division. Wait for it. Tell me, what are the Browns going to do this year? They are going to be 6-10 and 10 this season. So the Browns are going to win six games. Yes. We have that locked down. Six games. They brought in Landry, uh, Tyrod Taylor, uh, Baker Mayfield, obviously, Carlos Hyde, Chubb. Randall's going to play safety for them, drafted Denzel Ward, brought in EJ Gaines. They brought in a lot of pieces to this team, and maybe it's just uh, buying into the hard knocks hype, but um, – 
listen, I, I'm going to buy into this team that they can steal six games off the schedule. And it's not an easy schedule from what you look at. It's really not. But you can find six games that they should win on the schedule. No, the schedule's brutal for them. So we'll go there real quick. Their over-under is? Five and a half. Five and a half. You have them on the over. I'm on the under. I cannot see them being uh, from zero to six. They basically treated the offseason like John Madden franchise mode. And honestly, I love it and respect it. They were just making moves every single day, trading for this guy, trading for this guy. Then they're going to get Landry. Okay, no, they're not getting – oh, now they got Jarvis Landry, who looks great. Um, first of all, I'm not buying into any hard knocks um, any hard knocks hype after what happened last year with Tampa Bay because I loved the Buccaneers last year after that, and it sucked. Um, but they had all the picks. They made all the right trades. They had one, two, three, four, five picks in the first three rounds. Um, we hope that Nick Chubb turns out to be decent yeah. for them. Uh, I helped, I helped you get him as a, uh, maybe a possible, uh, sweeper in your, in your draft. He's a, one of the guys I like, cause I don't know how, uh, Carlos Hyde, how much he's going to get the ball there. Or... I think he's going to be the guy to own for, to start Hyde. Well, he's I really to do. start, but I'm yeah. thinking long-term in this season. Yeah. Maybe um, towards the end or whatever, but, uh, I think you're going to see Hyde for the majority of the season, then uh, a transition into Chubb possibly. With Duke Johnson still just having the pass-catching role for who, whichever running back it is. I did not like the Denzel Ward pick at number four. I thought that they could have done better than a cornerback. They went out there, and they signed two of the best cornerbacks on the market as free agents. Uh, then they take Denzel Ward, where there are other guys that they could have taken. They need to replace Joe Thomas. Yeah. They could have done that easily in the first round by taking um, uh, what, the, uh, the left tackle that went to the Colts. Um, or they could have, you know, they could have taken – any other people, they could have taken, uh, what's his face, the, the pass rusher. Right. The other chub. Yes. Uh, they could have taken him, but they chose not to. They went cornerback, which was weird, but it's a passing league. Maybe they're on to something. It's a new way of football to have the three big cornerbacks, and if Denzel Ward becomes good, they do have three really locked down corners. Another thing mm-hmm. I wish the Giants would have. I still have them on the under. I cannot have a team go from zero to six wins. I can't just give it to them. Let them show it to me first. Plus, their schedule might very hard. Steelers and Saints to start the season. So now that they're losing those two games, right? Yeah. I would. So I that, would that means at that point now they have to go six and eight the rest of the year. So that means they will have lost, what, 18 games in a row over two years and then have to win six of eight, uh, six of 14. That's tough. The Browns always play the Steelers tough, though. They do. So that game, I think, could be – uh, if you work to steal one out of the two, fine. You're not going into New Orleans and winning that game. No. Um, I think you beat the Jets. It could beat the Jets. I don't, I don't know what this Raiders team is yet. And I think you beat the Ravens there. I really do. I don't like this Ravens team. Maybe. Uh, they get the Bucs. Division game. Bucs, you know, you're winning. You should. Everybody should be beating the Bucs this year. I don't, Chiefs, and, uh, I don't know. I like the Chiefs, but a rookie quarterback, I don't know. Yeah, listen, Texans, Panthers, Falcons. It's a those tough schedule, Chiefs, though. It is. Steelers twice. Those are going to be tough games. They're not sweeping the Ravens. I don't know where they're going to get the six wins out of. So I have them on the under. Uh, so does the Shark. Um, I do have them finishing in fourth place. So um, the third place team, obviously, would be the Bengals. You have them in last. Full disclaimer or disclosure, I don't think the Bengals are going to be good. Right. They're just going to be a third-place team in what I think is a bad division. I think that there's only one really good team. I have the Ravens being a winning team, but only because their schedule is so easy. Right. So, um, over-under for them. Uh, I have the Bengals, sorry, finishing 5-11. and 11. Okay. So, you have them on the under because the over-under yep. is 6.5. 
I am also on that train with you. I think that, uh, and we didn't give records for, uh, we did give uh, records for the Browns. Yeah, right? you did. had six, yeah, yeah. and I have, I have them winning four games. Okay. Um, and I have the Bengals winning four or five games too. So I'll go five just so that we don't have a tie for last place. Sure. Um, but I don't think the Bengals are even that good. I really don't. The only person they really brought in was they traded for Cordy Glenn, which is a good player, good move, but. Every Listen, team has a good player. Right. You're relying on now Joe Mixon, who I do think will take the next step. John Ross, you're relying on him to take another step. Uh, Tyler Eifert, they came out this week, Robin, said they don't think he is going to play 50 snaps in a game this season. So now you're looking at somebody more of just a red zone presence, uh, more of just a specialist. Who's, you know, he's such a great weapon when he's healthy. Um, listen, man, I this Bengals team is just, uh, to me, they need to go into a rebuild. They really do. They're just another one of those really boring teams in a really boring division. And the only thing fun about this division is Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell up here. And if you want to make fun of the Browns for the most part, right. there is nothing fun about this division or exciting about it. Um, I don't know how he keeps his job. I really don't. Marvin Lewis. Yeah. I, I don't know well, I think how. after this season, he's gone. I really do. I mean, A.J. Green is so talented, and he's one—he's almost like John Tavares, mm-hmm. really. You know, one of the best players, great in fantasy. You would love to see him, and now Tavares gets that chance. I know to your excitement, but he's going to get that chance in the big market with the really great team. I would love to see A.J. Green play a year with a big-time quarterback. And I don't know if we'll ever get to do that, and it's a shame. And he falls in drafts because of it. But he also hurts you in fantasy because he's not – oh, he's going to have those shitty games because Andy Dalton's Andy Dalton. Right. Yeah, listen, I agree with you. Uh, I really do. But And I think A.J. Green is still a stud. He's 30 years old now. He said he doesn't feel 30. He's, uh, you know, still feels younger. And, uh, listen, he's a first-round pick, if you ask me, uh, you know, depending where, uh, you know, towards the later end of the first-round pick or second-round pick. Um, but, listen, you're asking so much of Joe Mixon. And, and John Ross, they, they scratched John. He didn't even play uh, half the season last year. So, I really don't like this team. I don't like them on defense either. Um, it is what it is, man. This is a shitty division. This is the Steelers division, as long as Big Ben doesn't get hurt. And, Rob, he is the most important player in this division, if you ask me. Yeah, and I would say that it's Le'Veon Bell basically staying healthy and coming out of camp, uh, which he's not in camp, but coming out of camp um, on fire. Um He's the best player in the division. Antonio Brown sure would like to say something about that. Um, ben Roethlisberger does have a little chip on his shoulder, too, and it is interesting to see what he's going to do because, A, he was not happy that they drafted a quarterback right. in the draft this year. Basically. He knew he wasn't happy, happy with that. Um, and, B, you've heard the rumors about him for years, and we've even talked about on the show that, you know, this might be my last year, this might be my last year. It seems like he's more in, like, he's done everything he could ever accomplish. Yes. He's been an all-pro. He's won Super Bowls, multiple Super Bowls. Yes. Um, he's done everything. He's gotten paid. Um, so he has nothing left to prove. Um, and so you, you just wonder, you know, is, is his heart pulling in it? Somebody asked a pretty good question on Twitter yesterday, Rob. They said, how many more elite seasons can I get out of Antonio Brown? Um, Depends on Roethlisberger to me. It does. Well, it's not going to get out of Mason Rudolph. I see we have a caller, and we'll get to you in just a minute if uh, you hold on real quick. But – uh. Yeah, I mean, definitely two. Yeah. I mean, if it's a guy that you're going to draft this year and you know you can keep him next year, you don't have to worry about next year him falling apart. Um, but I think this window is getting close to the end with the Steelers because as much as I love Le'Veon Bell and I think he's going to get paid, um, the shelf life on the running backs is not as long. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a bad contract for whatever team ends up having to pay Le'Veon. It's mm-hmm. just the bottom line. That's just the nature of the business. Um 
And Antonio Brown, he's still the best receiver in football. So Agreed. I think you have a couple left. And I still am not convinced that Mason Rudolph's the, the quarterback of the future there. Uh, I don't know either. I don't know enough about him to, to say that. So, All right. Well, we got uh, 1133 over the top sports. Um, got somebody on the line. So uh, see who's on the line and uh, what you want to talk about. Uh, welcome to Over the Top Sports Radio. What's going on? Hello. Give us a try back uh, in just a minute. Um, let me see if I have that number in here, see if it's somebody I know. Probably not. But um, anyway, um, what were we saying? So, yeah, I, I know who it is. He'll call back. He wants to talk about wrestling. Um, so we don't have any wild card teams from this division, no, do we? No, So no, we no. just got the Steelers making the playoffs. Yep. And uh, the rest of the teams, maybe the Ravens will have an outside chance. But and I think the Ravens will play up to certain teams. I do, Rob. I think they'll upset teams here or there. But to me, this is not a playoff team. And uh, and listen, I I bought into the hype last year with Hard Knocks. I did. So did you. We both admit it. Uh, I'm buying in again, though. I, I really am. And I'm not buying into Hugh Jackson. I think he's one of the worst coaches I've seen in football just from watching him and the press conferences and not you know telling players they don't have to practice or whatever. But the talent is there, Rob, where they can steal six games from me. I like Terod Taylor to Jarvis Landry. I think Landry's going to catch 100 balls. Yeah. And we'll talk about more like that about that on Monday on our fantasy football preview show this Monday night on Over the Top Sports Radio Facebook Live as well. Um, I know we're starting to get some calls about wrestling. Um, SummerSlam weekend. Um, Mike, we'll talk about it in just a minute. We'll take the call real quick, get him on and off the air. Um, I know this is Robin Freeport going to NXT tonight, going to SummerSlam tomorrow night. Um, big wrestling fan out there. Caller, friend of the show, John Tavares fan, Mike, if you want to get in a dig, you're more than welcome. You could say, hey, WWE is at the Barclays more than John Tavares this year. <laughs> there you go. I said it for you. What's going on, Rob? Uh, what's up, guys? How you doing? Good. Uh, uh, wrestling. I know NXT, uh, SummerSlam. What's on your mind with the shows this weekend? Uh, I think um, I think they're both going to, especially uh, NXT. I went last year; it was awesome. Uh, I think this year they really they they really stacked the deck. The uh, I think the Champa versus Gargano match. I I I want to see. I didn't get to see it live last year, but I'm really excited that I get to see it live tonight. I'm like I'm really I'm jacked to see that match. I think it's going to. It might be the best match uh, of the weekend. I mean, I I really like. I, I haven't really watched NXT to like to a point, but I know about the story, and it's just like the storyline's phenomenal, and the payoff tonight is going to be incredible. the The place is going to be the place is going to be jacked for it. And when we're done talking with you, I'm going to talk to Mike about that match specifically because I I agree with you, but the one thing that scares me is that um, they fought um, at NXT um, Takeover Chicago, and what I, I think is the match of the year. So now they have to top what they did as match of the year, the two of them, and that's going to be very tough for them to do. Expectations are going to be high. What about SummerSlam tomorrow night? Uh, something, Rob, that you are hoping that you see, and please don't tell me that – give me the boring answer that you hope Roman beats Brock. Tell me something that you're hoping to see no. tomorrow night. I'm hoping to see Daniel Bryan just absolutely destroy the Miz. I feel like that match is going to be – it's going to steal the sale no matter what. I I would love listen. Would I like to see Roman take the the title of Brock? Absolutely. But I'm telling you right now, Miz and Brian are gonna tear the house down. Like people might not even they might just like don't know how to they might not even know how to react after that after that match is over. It's just it's gonna literally the place is gonna be so whatever the outcome is. It's just like 
I'm so excited, and I've been waiting for this match for months. I knew once Brian was coming back, I'm like, all right, they're going to fight at SummerSlam, and I'm like, I'm going to be there. So I was already jacked up enough the past few months, and now I get to see it tomorrow. I'm just, I'm really, I'm excited. I agree with you. I think that match could steal the show, Rob. And listen, before we let you go here, give me one guarantee that happens tomorrow night at SummerSlam. Guarantee me one thing that will happen one tomorrow night. One guarantee? Yes. Um, There's that word Alexa again. Bliss beats, Alexa Bliss beats Ronda Rousey. Wow. wow. And I'm on the other side. I would, of that. I would have guaranteed that Rousey. Be here's, 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 wow. here's why. I'll give it. I'll give you my reason why. Because I feel like this is yep. just the beginning of their story, their storyline, and I feel like it's gonna go till WrestleMania. And they're like, they're gonna, they're building Rousey up. They don't really need to build her up that much anymore, but they're just gonna keep making her chase and keep making her look like a badass. Because now let me ask you this, Rob. When you every say, time when you say Bliss wins, there's a difference between Bliss winning and Bliss retaining the belt. I can see Bliss retaining. I don't think that she's going to cleanly beat Rousey in Rousey's first singles SummerSlam match. No chance. But I, I could see I you being right that they're building up to something, but it's not, Summer, it's not WrestleMania, Rob. It's Evolution at Nassau Coliseum. That's what they're building up to. That is going to be the premier women's wrestling pay-per-view. That's when they're going to have their premier women's match. will be that think, night, not at WrestleMania. I think that Rousey – okay. Uh, let me retract my. I think Bliss retains, not just wins, retains. And then I feel I like agree with you. Are, I, I can see that. I, I think like people might think I'm wrong. I feel like Evolution. I know they're on two different shows, but I feel like they should build up to have Flair versus Rousey for for the title at Evolution. That would like just give it a few weeks. You don't need to really like build it up that much. There's already a history there. That would that that match the main event would just be wild. If not, give me give me Bailey versus Sasha, which I thought I was going to see this. I thought I was going to see tomorrow night. I'm a little disappointed I'm not. But if it's not that match, give me Sasha versus Bailey. That match needs to be a main event. And I think you're you're seeing Bailey and Sasha because I think they want to come out with these women's tag team titles and they're showing you what teams could be and the possibilities. So I don't know if you'll uh, you'll see them one on one, but. Uh, I agree with you. Flair Rousey to me is the match that you want to have for Evolution. And again, with the and maybe whole show, if they're the two champions by then, it's right. champion versus champion, and right. that's the only way to end Evolution right. is to have your two women's champions facing off against each other. So who knows? And you're here's, gonna a, have here's a question. Here's a question. There, the bell is. You'll have all of those big names anyway. So yeah. I think that card in itself will be loaded. See now here, I just have one last question. Do we see Bailey versus Sasha before WrestleMania next year? I don't think so. I no. think they're wait. I think no. they're waiting for it. It's got to be. A or they're going to give them tag team belts. If they give them, well, every day they can break up anyway, Mike. Right. So yeah, but um, usually the breakup is always the best. And it, when it comes to Sasha and Bailey, that breakup is going to. It's going to probably be the best storyline in in, uh, in WWE. Maybe because they've really dropped the ball with this. And Rob, thank you for the call. Um, the reason that they dropped the ball with this is they teased the breakup. They fought with each other so much. And then all of a sudden they go to a therapy session yeah. and Sasha says, I love you. And that's over. Like to me, that's not great storytelling. I'm sorry. It's I just agree. not it. They dropped the ball. They, they were leading up to this feud where they were going to have a match at SummerSlam. And then at some reason, WWE changed their creative mind and thought that Sasha just saying, you know what? I love you. Not a lesbian angle, although they teased it. Just, I love you. It's over. Okay, no problem. We're good now. Now we have the worst name in wrestling history, the Boston Hug Connection. Yeah. Are you kidding me? It's terrible. 
I want to see them one-on-one. I want to see it done, but it's not well-written and it hasn't been well-produced. And I don't like that. So Rob, I hope that you're right. And um, once again, thank you for the call. And I hope that they, they can get this right in time for their match. But so far, I think they've dropped the ball at this feud. I do agree with you. And uh, I didn't know where they were going, Rob. I thought you were going to see the one-on-one. And obviously you haven't. And they had some great one-on-ones in NXT. Even I know about that in NXT. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to give you my guarantee is opposite, Rob's. I'm saying uh, Rousey's leaving tomorrow with the Intercontinental belt. And they with put the up a, I'm sorry, the women's Intercontinental Oh, my Lord. The women's that would have been a pile that... of a guarantee. The women's championship, she will leave with that tomorrow night. They just put up a giant mural of her in Upper Manhattan um, that she was taking pictures with yesterday. And uh, I think they finally set her up to win a match cleanly and, you know, with everything that's happening with the run-ins or whatever. Um, I definitely could see her leaving tomorrow as a champion. Did you, see, did you see her with the bat the other night on Ross? Yes. That yes. was hilarious. It was. That was great. So, oh, my, oh my God. God. The bat. Bat. Yeah. Um, she's beating up big men security guards. And she's going to lose a match to Alexa Bliss, little Miss Bliss, who I absolutely adore and love, trust (laughs) me. But come on, I don't see that happening. I could see somehow Bliss because she's a great heel and they want to continue the story and having her somehow retain somebody turning on somebody. um, Is it going to be Natty? Natty's had a terrible week. Rest in peace to her father, Jimmy Anvil. You guys might have talked about it on Monday. I don't think you talked wrestling, though. Um, I mean, it's the right time for her to, you know, have that heel type of – you know, run or something or move and hurt and screws over Rousey somehow because she's jealous. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it would uh, that that would be fine. But let's let's go through the weekend real quick. And and I know you're not the biggest NXT guy, but right. he well, said started last night. Before you get into NXT, they have basically taken over New York City now for for this, yeah. for this weekend. They were at Caroline's last night. A couple friends of ours went, and it was Renee Young, The Miz, Bobby Roode, The Iconics, and uh, Dolph Ziggler did his stand-up uh, routine, which supposedly went over really well. It started at midnight, Rob. We were right up your alley. Yep. But uh, everybody said it was absolutely fantastic. And uh, after that, you said they canceled the Elias concert for today. Yeah, Gramercy Theater. He was supposed to have a concert at 5 p.m. tonight. and For some reason, it was canceled. They are going to reschedule it for SummerSlam, which is stupid because they were going to do that SummerSlam anyway. Right. Um, I don't know. I wonder if it was ticket sales. I don't know what it was, but um, it, it was uh, – who knows? Um, I don't know why. I, they just canceled it. It was supposed to happen. I thought it was weird time to have a 5 o'clock concert on Saturday night <laughs> with just Elias in New York City when you have TakeOver happening at 7 p.m. Well, he did it in New Orleans, and, uh, I mean, that was a huge hit too. So And he's got his uh, – CD out his, now. Yeah, his whole album out yeah. now. But, uh, and then tonight, of course, 7 o'clock. NXT, Mike, there's only six matches on NXT, and I actually like that about it. Now, there's a couple that you've never heard of. Mm. Most of them you've never heard of. I don't know who you've heard of, but I know you've never heard of Pete Dunne and Zach Gibson. No. But you know what happens when you watch these NXT matches? You have no investment in their storyline. You have no investment in their character. And then you watch this match, and for 19 minutes, they do basically the best of Rey Mysterio. And all of a sudden, you're just like, holy crap, I'm invested. Um but the two or three matches that you got to see, and I don't care about the women's match. I think the women's division, the NXT, has kind of gone down because they brought up all the women. Uh, so the Shayna Baszler, Kyrie Sane, supposed to be a good match. Shayna Baszler is a uh, UFC. Well, Sane girl. should be up soon, no? What Sane? I don't know. Baszler might be up before her. She might be the one person that legit could beat Ronda Rousey, and her and Rousey are very close in real life. So um, they're both UFC women. Baszler is she's she's up there with Tony Deville for. Um... I think it was, they said WrestleMania next year or Evolution coming up. Uh, the Four Horsewomen versus the that, four, uh, summer, uh, Survivor Series. Survivor Series, yes. Survivor yes. Series match. Yes. Um, it would make sense, too. Um, but then, basically, once you get through those two matches, and if you 
the first match, first of all, at SummerSlam at NXT is usually the best match. I could see Daniel Bryan and The Miz opening up SummerSlam. Yeah, and they it will be set the tone. tough to beat, match of the night. Um, I would, if it was me, I think I would open up um, tomorrow, uh, tonight, TakeOver, my boy, Adam Cole, baby, versus Ricochet, um, a match Mike, you'll absolutely love. Uh, Cole and Ricochet, both independent guys that have come in. Cole last year made his debut at NXT uh, Brooklyn, uh, you know, um, basically as a run-in. Him in the Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish, and uh, now they actually have th- uh, four members, but um, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. So that's a great match. The Undisputed Era, the other guys, they're fighting for the take team matches versus Mustache Mountain. How can you not like a team named Mustache <laughs> Mountain? That's going to be a great match. Velveteen Dream versus EC3. You've and everyone has that. raved about Velveteen Dream. Yeah. John Cena has raved about John Velveteen Cena Dream. and uh, The Rock um, raved about EC3. So he was a uh, Impact former uh, TNA champion, EC3. Uh, that match is going to be great. But, yeah, Rob Taub was not wrong when he said Tommaso Ciampa versus Jardigan Gargano. It was supposed to be a triple threat match for the title. But Aleister Black had a, um, a legit injury, had to have surgery. So now last man standing. These guys were tag team partners. That's the storyline. Most popular, they were called DIY. Very popular tag team champions and all that. Um, obviously, they had the breakup like they all do. And they have had some of the darkest storylines, basically almost Attitude Era-esque um, and matches that you've ever seen. They are going to tear the house down. Their match at um, Chicago was awesome. So look at that. And then tomorrow night, the main event, SummerSlam, yes. which it's the main event. I'm telling you right now, NXT tonight will be better than SummerSlam tomorrow. And they have been in recent past, so you're not saying anything uh, too far-fetched here. What are you looking forward to seeing tomorrow night, Mike? Um, it's not going to happen, but I want Roman Reigns to become a Paul Heyman guy, Rob. I really do. I think that that would help Roman's career, where hopefully the fans don't hate him. And uh, listen, I think it would be awful, awful if they let Brock Lesnar retain and then go over to UFC and become a, a champion in both. I, I think it will just decredit UFC. I mean, I, I'm going to be at SummerSlam. I don't want to see Reigns Lesnar anyway, and I don't want to see Reigns win the belt. It's just not good TV. It, they've, they've just thrown it down your face too much. They have. Brock doesn't really – they need somehow for Braun to cash in. They, they need it. And I know he's fighting Kevin Owens with a loser. You know, if he loses, he loses the money bank right. contract. Um. I'm sorry. They have. They can't just let Roman beat Brock clean and think that a Brooklyn crowd is going to take that well. I agree with you. And I, if they are going to have it like that, they can't have it close out the show. They have. They have to have the championship match close out the show. Well, it's rousy. At which I'm fine with. Um, and listen, also the other match I'm looking forward to too is I think Carmella, Becky, and Flair should be a good match, Rob. And I think that you've seen Flair with the belt and you've seen Bliss with the belt and Carmella with the belt. I think Becky Lynch here needs a run to kind of uh, establish herself in that top tier as well. So, Yeah, um, it, it's so weird. And, and one of the things that I love about um, going to these NXT shows is this WWE writing staff, for some reason, buries all the NXT guys yeah. and girls when they come up there. They do. Um, and, you know, last Even, year... Listen, Oscar's a great example. Yeah, they what's have Oscar buried doing? her. Buried her. What... Last year's main event at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, so that was a year ago this weekend, yep. uh, was Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Roode for the belt. Both of those guys, enormous draws in NXT, did a great job. 
Neither of them have a match at this year's SummerSlam. Not even part of a tag team match. I think they're trying to keep McIntyre more of uh, mysterious. It almost reminds me of like Shawn Michaels Diesel back in the day with the bodyguard type. And that's uh, what Dolph wants. He wants to be compared to Shawn in every way. So I'm fine with that. The Bobby Roode thing drives me nuts because they've completely buried him, even on Raw, uh, you know, teaming up against Mojo Rawley. uh, They have just buried him. So I agree with that. Um, Finn Balor, Baron Corbin. I think it's boring. Uh, Boring. Baron, I think, is better than people give him credit for. Finn Balor, also uh, a little bit underrated. He's a guy that, once Brock doesn't have the belt anymore, I'd like to see him at least in the title picture. He's the first ever, um, what is what is the, um, what do they call it? The, not the Undisputed Champion. No, uh, no Universal no, Champion. Yes. Yep. He's the first ever Universal Champion. Held it for one day. Torres Labrum. Um, you would know about that. Nakamura, Jeff Hardy. Looks good on paper. It does. Probably aesthetically. I don't know if there's a storyline that anybody cares enough about, but I have a feeling that Randy Orton will get involved. Uh, you saw the return this week. Um, I know you had a couple of words about Renee Young's husband. I mean, he came back, and we had a saying, Rob, uh, with where I used to work, the body by Rikers. And, uh, you know, people that get out of, out of jail, they always had the body by Rikers because all they did was work out. Dean Ambrose looks like he has the body from Rikers. He put on 20 pounds of just muscle. He got rid of the hair. He looks uh, he looked as big as Drew McIntyre. So uh, I'm hoping you don't see him turn on Seth Rollins on Sunday, but it wouldn't shock me as well. We have a Facebook comment guaranteeing that Ambrose does turn on Rollins. So we'll see if that happens tomorrow night. Um, I don't know what that would mean. Would that make it a stable of McIntyre, Dolphin, Ambrose? I don't think you can do it because I don't think WWE will uh, – they don't want to lose that shield. They can always go back to the shield for a money draw, for a you know a cheap pop or whatever. So I don't know if you see that. A um, couple other matches here. I mean, I guess we should talk about the SmackDown champion. SmackDown is just oh, I don't care if they're live. I don't care if they're on USA. They're going to be on was it Fox? Soon. Yeah, yeah. They're still the B show. Agreed. The champion of WWE is always going to be the champion on Raw. But AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. Uh, it's a dream championship match for the indie nerd fan. Yes. And this is, you want to talk about matches that could steal the night. Uh, I agree with you when you say Daniel Bryan uh, and um, the Miz could steal the show. This could steal the show also because they did it in Impact. They did it down in uh, uh, an NXT. No, Styles didn't go to NXT. It was really just Impact that, uh, you know, they squared off. They had a huge Japan, rivalry there. Ring of Honor, Japan, yes, thank you. So, uh, again, this could be one of those matches that does steal the show. Uh, women's championship. You're going to see Carmella versus Becky versus Charlotte. I know you're on the Becky train. I, I don't like Becky. Um, I love Carmella as a heel. I do too. She might not be the best wrestler, but she's good enough to pull it off. And, and Flair is top three, top two out of all the women. Flair so. might be the best. Agreed. So, I mean, she's up there, you know, with, with anybody right now. I so agree. That should actually be a pretty good match. Uh, who do you see coming out of that? Is Carmella going to stay? You know, she gets to talk so much trash. And I think once she loses the belt, she becomes irrelevant. I don't think that right yet Charlotte needs that belt to be relevant. I agree with you. I don't think Charlotte needs it. I'm going to go Becky, Rob. I really am. I think that they're pushing her for some sort of reason here. The only other thing that I could see is, again, if they're going to do these women tag belts, Becky and Charlotte, uh, you know, would make a perfect tag team. So uh, they – Especially them two versus, say, uh, you know um, – Bailing Banks in. and yeah, now you're talking a, a huge women's match for tag belts. Yeah, and I think that that's going to be what comes out of this. Um, uh, they'll probably probably bring back either the Bella Twins for a short run or something, right. just to kind of establish that. Right. Um, but you're going to need some of these girls. You you got Mandy Rose and Sony Deville already, right. the Iconics. Yep. Um, they're start. You're starting to see these little tag team forms. But once again, 
Look who gets lost in that. Who's not on this card at all? Asuka. Who's going to get lost in this tag team thing that they're doing? Asuka. How is Asuka not on the card? She had an undefeated streak for like three years that she lost at WrestleMania, and now she's not on the card. Poor writing. It is. It's but I got to see Drew Gulak versus Cedric Alexander. I got to see the B team versus the Revival. I, I am a, a, Revival. I'm a big B team But fan. the Revival? <laughs> Put the B team up there with somebody we care about. Why aren't they? Why aren't they fighting with Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt? Nope, neither of them are on the show. I've read though that Matt Hardy uh, needs to retire. That I've is, heard he's hurt. The back and pelvics or something are, are merging or whatever, and he keeps sending out these tweets. And so I, I don't know where you go with Bray Wyatt from there either. I, I really don't. They've so. dropped the ball with Bray Wyatt. I agree. Uh, somebody on Twitter on uh, Facebook is taking shots at the Islanders. I have no idea. That's always appreciated. Yeah, you'd have to be a stupid idiot to do that. Maybe um, maybe try, uh, you know, rooting for the Rangers because they're going to do well this year. Um, no New York team get, will do well this year. Get a life, bro. You said you were going to call on the show and then you're going to come on my Facebook and rip my Islanders. It's your Facebook, too. It's Vinny. But anyway, <laughs> um, and then I guess Bludgeon Brothers New Day. Uh, Love the New Day for a long time. Kind of over it. The one tag team that stood the test of time never breaks up. Just always is in the title hunt. I'm um, completely over it. No, completely over I mean, it. no Usos there. There should have been some tag team tournament or something. Something Agreed. or a fatal four way. We're losing a lot. A ladder of, match. Give me something, man. Yeah. Two tag team matches, one on one. And by one on one, I mean team versus team. Yep. In, in one show. Come on. I agree. It's ridiculous. With you. So, not so sure it's going to be a great SummerSlam, to be honest. I don't love the card. 13 matches and a lot of it's fluff. I agree with you with, listen, for that main event, uh, if it is Roman versus Brock, you either need Heyman to become, uh, you know, Brock to become, I'm sorry. Um, Paul Heyman. Yeah, he needs to become, uh, you know, Roman Reigns' spokesperson, or you need to see Braun Strowman cash in. You need one of those two things tomorrow night. That's got to happen, but what they're going to end up doing is they're going to have Rousey win the belt, and that's how they're going to sell this. this is I'm fine with that, that, too, though. That's fine, but that can't be the payoff to a shitty card. 13 matches. How many are you really looking forward to? Four? Literally four at the most? There's a few where I'll take bathroom breaks. Yeah, I mean, you're going to take a bathroom break during... I don't even think you care about Styles, Samoa Joe, really. I'll you watch know, it, but I'm not match and Out of respect and out yeah. of knowing how good they can be, you watch Especially it. Especially Styles. And it's a championship match. But after the entrances, if you have to go take a leak, you, you're doing it. Yep. You're not going to miss anything. You know it's going to be a 15, 20-minute match. Yep. You're not, you know. Nakamura, Jeff Hardy, I'm not interested at all. I'm past the Jeff Hardy. I'm past the Hardy error. No, I mean, Bludgeon Brothers versus the New Day. I wish Rude would have been in there. Orton would have been in there, the three of them. And Orton, I think, could get suspended. I mean, we haven't talked about that. Well, if he gets suspended, what happened with him? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Showing all the media people uh, his junk. He's he's taking it out for all the new writers and stuff, saying who's the man or something like that. I I did read that story. And then Rusev and Lana versus... And I, I actually like this Andrade Cien Almas. I think he's really good from NXT. He's he one needs of my to get guys, a push, though, too. But he's never going to get a push. He's a former NXT champion. And, and Rusev just went from fighting for a title to now this. So. And he's tweeting about it on yeah. every day. Yeah. And he's basically one of those guys that's like, I don't care. If you get mad at me, right. I'm gonna, uh, fire me. You're not doing anything with me anyway. I'm yep. on the pre-show. Yep. And I was fighting for the championship with AJ Styles a month ago. I listen. I don't understand the writing. I really don't. They push the same guys down there, and that Undertaker Bray Wyatt will always just haunt me. How they they had them wrestle at WrestleMania, Rob, and then now look at this. We got a bride that Bray Wyatt is great and can push Undertaker to the limit, right. and then we buried him ever since. Right. 
And they also missed out on the fact that um, Bray and Matt Hardy lost to the B team. Matt, I mean, Bray's brother is on the B team. Never heard about we it. We can't even talk. They look like twins, yep. but we're going to completely ignore it. Yep. You know, with our, this crack uh, commentary staff that they yep. have. Um, well, Corey Graves is the only guy that's any good. Agreed. I mean, Michael Cole, I, I guess he does the job they want him to do, but he's the, best part of, the best part about going to SummerSlam is every time somebody's music hits, I don't have to hear his one line. Mm-hmm. It's boss time, the big dog. The best part is I don't have to hear that. Yep. Thank God. Um, but, yeah, let's just forget the fact that these guys are real-life brothers fighting for tag team belts. Uh, yeah, and I don't understand why you didn't see that either. You could have had – And if was, Matt Hardy has to retire, then have Bray turn on Matt Hardy and join the B team. He's been treated like a B-star his right. life. I agree with you. And put him out, and that's how you say, I retired Matt Hardy. Right. I made him broken for good right. or something like that, and let him get the cheap heel heat. Listen, you brought up Jim Neidhart, who uh, Vinny and I shared our thoughts. Uh, you know, you can in a second, Rob, but – you know, how great were that own heart, Bret Hart matches? I mean, you could be seeing, you know, not now, obviously, with the tag titles, but you could be building towards Bo Dallas, Bray Wyatt. I mean, you know, they were stars in NXT, and everybody yeah, would love to see the that The cage now. match was iconic. Yes. Back when it was the blue cage, yep. and it was, you know, yep. you didn't have to jump off, you know, through a table, you know, 30 feet off to, to make it a good match. I agree. Those are great tactical matches, and, uh, you know, th- those were, it was a different time. And, <laughs> I, I don't know what why we have to pretend that, you know, the Bray and his twin that he's locking up with are, <laughs> you know, not even like a, a silly, stupid, like, comment they throw in there, like, oh, brother. It's just something right. stupid, just to make me laugh, like, to know that you're acknowledging it to the smart people out there. And they've teased Sister Abigail now for so long. I mean, I've been waiting to see Sister Abigail, Rob. Yeah, I don't think that uh, you should hold your breath. I don't <laughs> think you're going to. But, uh, like I said, um, biggest curse. <laughs> is being NXT champion. You don't get to be on any of his shows. McIntyre, Rude, Samoa Joe, Nakamura, Andrade Cien Almas. None of them are fighting for anything that really matters. I guess Samoa Joe is, but none of them are really heavily involved in WWE. And those are the last five NXT champions uh, that have left to go to WWE. Well, your 10 count guy, they buried him. Tyler Breeze, they buried him. But they weren't the heavyweight champion. I'm, I know. You're right. They bury everybody. But I mean, Balor, you, you would think at least the champion would get some kind of rub. I don't know what they're looking for then at NXT, Rob, if they're not going to give them that push. If they want to use it as they like keep a them minor in NXT, They're system. making so much money off right. of it. I don't get it. You don't sell don't out a like place it. like the Barclays Center with, you know, for six matches of NXT if they're not that good and you can make money off of them. <laughs> Anyway, we're saying goodbye to Blog Talk. Mike, you want to give final thoughts? Yeah, fantasy show this Monday. It's going to be good. I guarantee it. Yep, and uh, we will uh, find a way somehow to recap the weekend in wrestling if you guys want to. uh, Hit us on Twitter, on Facebook. Maybe we can do an extra half hour Monday or something if if it's a great weekend. If not, then we'll just ignore it like we ignore most of us. (laughs) Um, Also, uh, see you guys Monday. See you guys Saturday, NFL season coming up. Yeah. Uh, hit us up on our Twitter at Over the Top Sport, and we will talk to you guys on Monday night with our fantasy special show. And thank you to Kenny Anderson. And thank you to Rob for calling in. Done. <laughs>